Welcome to a Random Runner podcast episode number nine. Um, we got a fun guest today, Ryan Spitz from Shasta Trail Runs. That should be a, a really good show. We'll get into his brain and figure out what it's like being a race director and having uh, to sort through some weather stuff and, and natural, natural disasters. Natural mm-hmm. disasters. This past weekend in racing and running, uh, we had Black Canyon's 100K. And I think they had some other distances in there as well. But it was uh, one of the five golden ticket races. I think there's only four right now. And I think one of the extra sets of tickets goes to the um, uh, Ultra Runner of the Year. Or uh, I'm I don't not remember. sure how that I works. If you remember. I don't know. I've never... It's either... Um, I think it's... Tr- Trail runner of the year. Um, I don't know. It might even be a like a USATF thing. I don't remember. It, there's some governing body over ultra or trail running that if you're at the top of it, that's how you get in. So Jim Walmsley last year got in through that. Hmm. Okay. Even but he's think, already got one because he's got a top 10 bib, right? Yeah. So. Well, yeah. So this year, um, but yeah, last year he got in through that. I, I'll have to look that up while we're talking. Um, but, uh, so Matt Daniels, who's a Nike runner, uh, won in the Black Canyon 100 K, um, with a time of 7:20, and Chris Mako, uh, got in with this time of 7:45. So, you know, nice 25 minute lead on the winner. And it was a pretty stacked field. Dakota Jones, um, Max King, Matt, uh, Eric Sensman. Why am I not seeing Max King on the list? Maybe he ran a different distance, or maybe it was a different. No, it was that race. Max King, um, he definitely ran that race. Oh well, maybe he dropped out. Um, Eric Sensman, um, Jared Hazen dropped out. Oh wow! Um, Casey Licktig won um, with. I always forget how to pronounce her name, but EO or. Yo Wang. Yu Wang. Yu Wang. Oh, Max King did drop out. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> um, so that was a fun one to watch. I, I watched it a little bit, and then before I knew it, it was over, so I didn't get to follow the Twitter bandwagon very much. Nice. Casey's a stud. Yeah. I mean, she's a beast with a, a smile. Studis. Yeah, especially after coming after a year of sorting through an injury. Um, yeah, didn't she have, like, a major femur... Or she like a, a pelvis pelvis stress fracture. That's crazy. So a lot of a lot of PT getting that back on the field. I can't imagine what what form. It's probably not even a form issue. It's probably just a sheer volume issue of what it would take to give yourself a femur stress fracture. Or, uh, sorry, well, a, I think a hip I think that's fracture. more of a problem for women's physiologies with their wider hips. But oh, okay, um, she does run a lot of solid 100, 120 mile weeks. So that does have an and impact. That's all flat too, because she doesn't have any hills where she lives. Right. So, but yeah. Um, and then there was another race this weekend, the the Moab 50K. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sage Canada won second. And uh, Coach Sandy got first place. In the women's field? Yeah. I can't remember the name of the guy that won first place. I blame social media because we only care about the celebrities. Yeah. Somebody beats Sage and we don't even know his name. We're completely prepared. So... But, um, yeah, well, that was so. supposed to be tough conditions as well. It was pretty rainy, I think, so it was very muddy. 
Because didn't they, they change that course? Or was that Black Canyon where they modified the course? The course changed a little bit, okay. yeah. Well, everywhere's kind of been affected by weather this week or this month. Yeah, we got, got slammed with some storm weather. My running has been uh, totally shut down by my first ever rolled ankle. Um, went out last, uh, Eric and I went out last week to do a nice 20 mile. Um, it was supposed to be super easy, super chill. Super chill. We did end up climbing over a ton of fallen trees. So in uh, pretty much everyone has been affected by the snowpocalypse 2019. Well, anyone here on the West Coast, I know up through Oregon and through um, Seattle, they've been getting blasted with snow. It's snowing in Las Vegas right now. Wow. Snowing in the desert. Yep. That's cool. Yep. So, yeah. so, uh, so we went out. Snow had kind of melted a little bit. It was like three days afterward, but there was fallen trees everywhere. And, you know, I cleared all those fallen trees like a, like a boss. And then I set my foot down on one slippery route and had my first sprained ankle. Yeah, that's totally the irony. We were avoiding all the down trees and then you trip on this little quarter sized root sticking out of the ground. Yeah. I didn't even kick it. I just landed on it and just, um, and then of course Eric took a good picture before he even thought to see how I was doing but uh priorities man yep um and so I've been dealing with that no no running for me I'll try I might try tomorrow I might not we'll see um but uh you've get got some that, big, big you need to get on that, that bike man keep that cardio I going I do yeah so you've got some big plans coming up soon this weekend I guess it's supposed to be a stormy weather. I'm trying to get in some long runs for Castle Crags. We'll talk about that a little later with Ryan, but uh, um, yeah, I'm just kind of was going to do a 50k on the Castle Crags course itself, but I'm a little concerned about there being too much snow there, and it would be a waste of time to go up and run in the snow. So yeah. I mapped out a 50k course on the trails around me, and there's some new trails that uh, a fellow trail runner Joe found recently. I guess they marked some new trails along Payne's Creek, so I'm going to go check them out. They might not be super runnable, but uh, that area tends to be kind of muddy, but yeah, you might have to dodge the cow holes. Oh, I'm, I've been doing that already. <laughs> so yeah, there's, there's lots of cow potholes where I live, but, uh, yeah, just going to be super chill time on my feet type of run doing 30 miles. We'll see how it goes. Nice. Well, let's welcome Ryan Spitz, ShastaTrailruns.com. How goes it? <laughs> it goes well. It goes well. Welcome. Yes. Thank you, sir. We're trying something new. I uh, decided to kick my kids outside and try to get some quiet recording in my living room, but we'll see see how successful <laughs> how it, it is. But yeah. So, uh, so you're from originally the uh, uh, like San Diego area. Yeah, originally San Diego. Um, grew up Midwest, so Chicago, St. Louis, as a kid. Um, but yeah, spent the last ten years in San Diego. Um, and then recently moved up to Reading about a year and a half ago um, with my wife and then my kids. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, we've been loving it. So uh, were you race directing down there? Is it this no. your first experience? So I always wanted to get into it, um, but it's so saturated down there. I mean, there's a race every weekend that never really crossed my mind to try to enter it down there. Um, so when I moved up here just to get plugged into the community a little bit more, I reached out to, actually I think it was Heather first, um, and then she connected me with Mark Swanson, the previous owner of it, um, 
And I was just like, hey, Newtown, want to help volunteer at some of your races, just get plugged in with your trail runners. And uh, around that time, he was like, you know what, I'm actually looking to sell this thing and do some other things for retirement. So he's like, I have one guy in the hopper, but if it kind of doesn't work out, um, if you want it, you know, we can work something out. So yeah, my kind of second month being here, it <laughs> ended up taking over last January. Wow, that's cool. So yeah, it was kind of stars aligned um, for me on that one. So yeah, it's now here we are. <laughs> yeah, how'd you? Uh, what's your background with with endurance sports and running? And- yeah, so I was never really an endurance guy. All well, I pole vaulted in high school. That's um, awesome. Super random. I I love <laughs> watching pole vaulters because the the look on their face <laughs> and the like massive knee drive and like yeah I just yep. I want to do a video of what it would be like to run like a whole trail run running like a pole vaulter. <laughs> yeah, it's a random, pretty intense sport. I mean, so I went 15 feet. I went to state one year or two years. Um, wow. Wait, 15 feet. What are, in the Olympics? They're hitting like so they're going like 21, 22. Okay. I want to say maybe world record might be like 22. Okay. Um, 15 is very good though for yeah, high fi- school still. Yeah, 15 is pretty solid. I was I was happy with it. Do you have any major fall stories? Uh, I broke a pole in wow. practice, which was pretty intense. Um, I I think a week ago, like I just recently started watching pole vaulting videos. <laughs> I just that's so <laughs> random. I I know I I'm I'm kind of a YouTube <laughs> guy, but uh, so. I'll watch like the uh, the track stuff. Watching, yep. um, I love watching <clears throat> milers or like you know, track five Ks. You know, with a five K, I usually kind of scoot ahead a little bit. It just takes a little <laughs> too long. Get the but, start and the finish. Yeah, yeah, right. But um, uh, somehow I got into pole vaulting and I was just struck by the the, the running form. Just yeah, like this like aggressive. You know, their feet are super high up off the ground and they just look. You know, their body structure is different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you definitely have a, you know, 20 yard window where you're just redlining it to then hit the thing. But I mean, yeah, so my most tense thing was during practice was going and, you know, as you drive your knee, kind of get yourself upside down to shoot up. As I got upside down, the pole just snapped in half. So luckily I did like a flip, but then landed on the pad. Oh, man. Um I mean, because you'll see, especially if you YouTube it, there's horror stories. Of, oh, I've watched some of them. Yeah. Yeah. Like guys falling in the like the falling spot. in the little pit box thing, the, yeah. or getting pierced by the thing Ooh. as it snaps. Um, I had a handful of ones where you do the whole thing, and right before you like let go of the pole to fall on the mat, you like look down and you didn't drive quick enough, so you like, right when you're back. supposed to let go, you're like over the track still. So if mm-hmm. you let go, obviously that's not going to no fare well below. for you. Mm-hmm. So you just hold on and kind of let the pole sort of bounce and fling you out. Yeah, super wow. <laughs> random sport. But uh, so so naturally you went from going <laughs> so 15 feet to going. Oh, I wonder if I could run 15 feet. Yeah, uh, run, they run, lifted run, lifted run, a lot of weights in college, um, and then after college, um, signed up for a marathon. So did my first marathon. Didn't really train for it. Um, so it was it was a How'd brutal race. So finished four four and a half hours, um, but I mean cramping up like no other. So then I told myself, okay, I'm actually going to train for it and do it again next year. So then I did it again the year after, did three thirty, um, and then a family friend of ours had done a bunch of triathlons, so she got me. 
she gave me then her old um, bike. So I started doing triathlons and then did that for... Did you have a shaved head? I did not have a shaved head. <laughs> it seems like a lot of the triathlon guys <laughs> are like... Bald I did and... shave my head for the race though. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, so then I did my first Olympic and then went straight to half Ironmans and then have done two fulls. Um, I was trying to get to Kona, so I did Arizona twice. Full Ironman? Full Ironman. Wow. Yeah, so those were a blast. But training, then once I started having kids, just training for those is tough to like juggle all three disciplines. I, I couldn't wrap my mind around how you have time to train for the marathon and then also train for the 100-mile bike ride and all the swimming. Yeah, and- I mean, you're doing, to be decent at it, you're doing two workouts a day. So like you're swimming in the morning, running in the afternoon, or you know, vice versa. And then your Saturdays are just long workouts. Um, so yeah, I did, I did that for a couple of years. And then a buddy of mine who had done a handful of Ironmans too had done a hundred mile before. So he's like, hey man, I'm gonna do a SD50. Um, so he kind of put the bug in my ear to, hey, let's try some ultra running stuff. Mm. So I did that on January. And then I did my second Ironman that November and then after Arizona, made the switch to full trail stuff. So then signed up from Arizona. Told myself I was going to give myself some time off just because, I mean, absent dad or husband with all the training. Um, and then a few weeks after, I um, already started getting an itch again. I, I don't do well if I don't have a race on the books to keep me motivated for training. Um, I'm the same way. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely one of those do as I say, not as I do <laughs> <laughs> moments. Um I feel like I do okay with when I don't have a race planned that I still want to. I've got a lot of room to improve. Yeah. And so I'm, you know, whether I'm racing or not, I'm thinking, oh, I can work on my speed or my form or my endurance or whatever. Yeah, it's fun. I kind of find myself, I'm like a light switch on or off guy. Or like even signing up for races, it's kind of like go big or go home that I really haven't progressed myself by starting small going big i always just find myself signing up for the big stuff yeah um because yeah after arizona when i told myself you know okay time to take a break and just you know not be focused on training a couple weeks went by started getting a little store crazy i'm not having anything in the sights um and my wife was like yeah i'm good so i was like hey what do you think about me running a hundred mile race next year (laughs) um and kind of through that conversation an hour later i signed up (laughs) <laughs> so then I signed up for the big uh, Kodiak 100 in Big Bear. Um, so it was like an hour and a half north of us. Um, and yeah, then I've been hooked with trail ever since then. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, for sure. So what um, sort of segue that all into running or not running, race directing. Yeah. What's it like being on the other side of the yeah, of so responsibility it's, now? It's been fun. It's uh, definitely a lot more little moving pieces than you think about um because it was a big learning for me going from moving up here wanting to volunteer and just kind of more getting introduced to how the scene works here to sort of sidestepping all that and just (laughs) diving right in um which probably fits my personality anyway but yeah i think the biggest surprise for me or even what I didn't think would be stressful is just all the little moving pieces that come into play, um, getting ready for race day. Um, 
So yeah, I see when Mark was like, yeah, leading up to the races, you know, that's where I get no sleep or have all these stress dreams that you forget one little piece that could like throw off the whole like, race. Like no toilets. <laughs> yeah. It's funny how, yeah, come race week, the most random stuff that you wouldn't think would be stressful end up being like super stressful. Wow. Like for me, ordering race shirts is like my most stressful piece. Um, just cause I can relate to that. Just that, my recent shenanigans looking for my own t-shirts it's hard well and the the learn for me too is i mean because so many options not yet we're in a sellout standpoint where everyone has a shirt so you know the exact numbers for orders it's Mm -hmm. still kind of a guessing game to an extent on because you have to put in orders three weeks before race yeah but a lot of people don't sign up until you know even the day of even the day day of the race um yeah just kind of working working through those so what happens when you buy all the race medals and then afterward you've got 50 race medals that just you have nothing you know they've got the date stamped on them yeah so that's where for christmas presents i know i'm still trying to play with either some other rds that i've spoken to kind of make an end of the year race where it's kind of your mutt race where it's just like Super simple course. You just kind of, it's more of a fun run. And then your finisher medal for that fun run is just leftover medals. <laughs> um, I've seen some charities, like there were some races held down in Mexico and like impoverished countries or yeah. sections of yeah. the country. And they would, race directors would donate their old medals to that. Yeah. So they could have something to wear. Yeah. So luckily I have been lucky so far that I haven't been left with too many medals. Um, I've been pretty good at guessing what the actual number is going to be. That's cool. That I haven't run out of medals, <laughs> which is where you want to be. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, I finished <laughs> my first 100 miler. Yeah, there's nothing for you. <laughs> well, yeah. I've always thought that was a bigger problem for races that gave out silver buckles for sub-24 guys. I mean, yeah. that's a bigger investment than yeah. just a plain finisher well, medal. At least those, some of those big ones, like they know they're going to sell out. Like I anything know, with but, a lottery, you just... You don't know how many you're going to get sub-24. True. Yeah. Or whatever the their d- mark is, you know. Yeah. Well, maybe they don't put a date on it. They do. They, they do. Western States does. A few I've looked into all have dates on them. Yeah. I mean, luckily, they're working would, with it, a bigger budget than I'd say well, I probably have. Yeah. <laughs> if well, I got I mean, in Western concern, States. Right? But yeah. Yeah. If I got in Western States and finished last and there was no buckle for me, <laughs> I would be pissed. Yeah. Oh, sure. I mean, they'd be like calling the printing press. I know. You know I know. Sniff I know. me a buckle hey, for buying right now. Yeah. We'll get you. We'll get you your your thing in six to eight weeks. <laughs> yeah. 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 So for me, the whole assumption game in just this kind of yeah. A few nights ago, I I had a dream, which I don't even have a race coming up for a few more weeks. Castle Crags. Um, but in the dream, I had shown up race morning, and I realized. Oh crap! I forgot to mark course mark. Mm. <laughs> so it's like an hour before the race is supposed to start. I go up to Josh, um, who's who's one of my RDs that helps out a lot. Um, I was like, "Dude, Josh, I messed up, man." I was like, "I didn't course mark this thing." I was like, "What should I do?" And he's like, "I don't know, man. The race starts in like an hour." So I was like, "Okay, <laughs> I'm just mountain, so I Let's grabbed go. all the flag and I was like, "Okay, man, I'm gonna leave right now and start course marking and just hope the." The fastest person so, doesn't catch up to me. Yeah, and then Blake, I woke up. Blake's in the, <laughs> the lineup. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but I uh, can always imagine. I always feel bad when I hear stories about runners that either miss the markings or or their sabotage or something. Yeah. I always feel bad for the race director. Yeah, I mean, course marking has I for just sure punch been people who sabotage races. <laughs> yeah, that's right in the, the teeth. Yeah, yeah. There's 
Because you're not only ruining the race director's experience, you're ruining all these people that pay lots of money right. for it. Yeah. I mean, and potentially the health. Uh, when I did my first 100 up in Big Bear, someone had turned one of the arrows. And I mean, yeah, you're in an area where like no cell phone service, you're pretty remote. And one of the leaders ended up going, you know, the wrong way because the arrow and got lost for like seven hours. Wow. So it's oh, like, man. yeah. Well, I was ho- like um, Jeff Browning at. Um, that race down Tarawara? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he went 40 mi- minutes off course, still won the race, and got, <laughs> set a course record. I think Jeff Brown. That guy is a stud. There, there was a lot that of... Was, that was his own error, though. That wasn't sabotage. Yeah. yeah. There's, there was a... On a sidetrack, there was a lot of talk of whether or not Jeff Browning should have got Ultra Run of the Year. Yeah. I, I still think Jim's was, was a little special. Um, and, like, with the Grammys, sometimes what they do... Somebody comes out with a record that's been amazing for the past 20 years and never won. Yeah. They kind of like, they take the 20 years and kind of pour it back into right. this one, yep. one yeah. effort. Yeah, Jeff is super consistent. So, but I mean, yeah. yeah. So, so with Jim, like missing, you know, like the, the past two years and then his final, like that course record was <sighs> insane. Yeah. So Jeff Browning is amazing at hundreds and we know that, but Jim's, you know, one or two performances were just, you know, right. beyond yeah. Knock out of the park, but Jeff Browning, like I think everybody can look at his he's running. He's like super humble too. Yeah, yeah. He just seems like a guy you'd hang out with. You know, he doesn't seem yeah doesn't have the bravado that Jim has. You know, because yeah. he's you know he he kind of plays that game on. I think he enjoys the yeah the I'm gonna go big or go home or crash hard kind of yep. mentality. But yeah, but his approach to racing though, like anyone can look at and go, okay, just chill out. This go really slow. This first half of the hundred mile or whatever it is. And then start to slowly turn things up and then bring it home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. Well, I was just getting into trail running when you took over. And uh, I remember, yeah. like, the website was kind of janky and he, <laughs> he had just a handful of races and you've kind of made it explode. So, like, yeah. you've taken his races and you've probably doubled the, the roster at least. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, to think back, it's only been, you know, a little over a year since I took it over. Yeah, we've. That's it. I guess last. Cl- yeah, the so first two officially ago. it was mine at the end of Clickapooty last year, 2018. 2018. Yep. It's kind of where we. So we after the last it. runner came through, then he handed <laughs> then me the keys. Then it was formerly mine. <laughs> yep. Literally, he handed me the keys. Yeah, I trailer, think I, so. I happened to be there when that happened. <laughs> yeah. Here you go, and he gave you a wad of cash, and. Yeah. So then I. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah. So I redid the website, redid some branding, just. Uh, um, Kind of formalized a little bit. Um, got race logos. Um, and then from a sponsorship standpoint, because that was one area that Mark was like, hey, I haven't really spent too much time um, going down that path. So I started thinking, okay, well, what do I use or love that currently that would be awesome if they could now also be kind of back in my races? So... I've always ran in ultras for my shoes, orange mud. I have worn since day one when I got into trail running um, and a handful of others. So I was like, you know what? Why not? I'm just going to reach out to these guys and see, hey, I just took over this trail running company in Red, out of Redding, California. You guys interested? Um, and it's funny. Every so I, Yeah, I think I have 10 sponsors right now. And every single one of them that I reached out to was like an instant yes. Wow. Right on. Um, That's so that idea. from like day one was like a huge uptick to, okay, let's, we got something going. Um, so yeah, when I took over, we had five races, 
fires burned out a couple of them. Um, but I currently have eight in the docket. Um, I guess nine, if you count the new adventure race that's coming up. Um, so yeah, a lot has, a lot has grown in the past 12 months. Yeah, you mentioned all the little planning details. I mean, talk about what the natural disasters have. Yeah, I mean, a lot of your races are set in Whiskey Town or that area. Yeah, so that yeah, that was a interesting. So it was, yeah, it was, and the company had been mine for you know six months. Um, and yeah, to your point, a lot of our races do fall in kind of that Whiskey Town arena, um, and the fires happened, burned out everything. Um, so I definitely had like two days of sitting down with Bree, my wife, and being like, "Oh crap, man!" Like, this, well, we were. What I was hoping to leave my day job of corporate recruiting and like step into this full time. This just definitely threw us a little curveball on how that's curveball. gonna look. <laughs> um, so I probably had about a day and a half of moping of saying, "Should I just throw in the towel and call a spade a spade?" And you know. Shasta no more. Um, no, I didn't even know, okay, what does even rebuilding, if there's any, even anything to rebuild look like. And then kind of once I got past that, I was like, okay, screw that. Time to now find new spots up here that we can like shift these races to. Which there's a lot. It seems like we're discovering all of the... Well, I'm glad amazing. you're moving north. Yeah, yeah. So the biggest thing was to... I already in my mind was like, okay, come 2019, 2020... There's a few other areas that I want to put some races to um, that I already was kind of thinking about, but definitely the fires fast-tracked some of that stuff. on. okay, we now got a trail community that just lost all their trails. I just lost all my races. Um, how can we keep something motivated and kind of have the whole hope thing going on? Um, so, yeah, I luckily was able to then... The one race I added last year... Uh, two peaks out in Swayze that nothing had been done in Swayze BLM and Reading Trail Alliance were able to quickly get those trails fixed so we still were able to host two peaks um, last November which was awesome and then Waterfalls which was one of my favorite ones that I took over I was actually bummed to an extent that I was now the RD because I couldn't race it because I Mm -hmm. wanted to race it Mm -hmm. Um, that one is off the docket for probably a few years yeah that's not exactly yeah. a race you can move no i mean so most likely for waterfalls um i look to try to put on a race up in mcleod um at mcleod falls how there's the three waterfalls along the trail but there's some trail integrity issues with the forest service that they have um but it's on their agenda this year to get fixed so if we don't get access to whiskey town in order to still keep the waterfalls dynamic, maybe looking to put on a race up at McLeod Falls um, once they give me the thumbs up that those trails are fixed. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, maybe in three years we go back to Whiskey Town. But. Which will be a sweet time for us local people. Yes. <laughs> I know. It's some of the best trail. But yeah, so then Four Mile Hour Challenge used to be in March at Oak Bottom which got torched pretty good. Yeah, that was the, the, the start of everything, yeah. really. Yeah, so then have now changed venues for 4 Mile Hour Challenge, so it's now going to be up in McLeod at, on the Great Shasta Rail Trail. Um, so now it'll be your true four miles, one hour. Um, which I'm pretty excited about. That's, yeah. That's pretty flat, right, or is it? Yeah, I mean, so it's like 140 feet of gain over the four miles, so it's 
The way it's going to be set up is it's, it's an out and back, so you're kind of doing a slight incline on the way out, slight decline on the way back. Um, but I think it's a cool spot. I mean, obviously the, the trail that we used at Oak Bottom was a cool six-mile point-to-point. Um, I'm definitely very excited to now have just one base camp of start and finish yeah. um, so we can just deck the heck out of that, and then everyone's coming back to the same spot every hour. Right. I'm and excited to now see the dynamic of every hour you're hitting the trail. Yeah. Um, so how that'll play into people's strategy. And I'm excited. Uh, to, I'm going to try to bring a PA out there. I'm excited to yeah. get some, like, you know, boom and music. Yeah. After that so, course, you could probably you could, hit all the way at the turnaround point. Yeah. yeah no, just well, to hear that sound approaching, it's going to be like, oh, that's oh nice. yeah. Hands down. And, I mean, it's a cool spot. Like, you're remote. You're very remote feeling. Like, you're, you're off the 89, not too far. But... You feel That's like, like an hour and a half from here to get there. Yeah, so like driving towards Shasta, you get off on the 89 going east. You hit McLeod like within five minutes, and then we're at Bartle, so it's like an extra ten minutes okay. east. I've um, never actually been out there yet. It's a cool spot. I mean, you're surrounded by huge trees. The rail trail, it's nice and smooth. So from a, you know, as your the hours are ticking away, you know, you're not going to be tripping on tripping on roots or rocks. Yeah. Um, it's a cool spot. So I'm, I'm excited for it. And it's on, I know they're super stoked to have us up there, the Great Chester Rail Trail, just to, again, give some more exposure to them. Is there a governing body that... Is they that? own the land. The Great Chester Rail Trail owns the land. Okay. So it allows us much more flexibility. So it's private land. To do. So it's private land. Nice. We hit, the first two miles are theirs. The second two miles are forest service. But because it's we're only going to be on the rail trail, not on like forest road or trails, it they don't care. Nice. Um, so we have free reign to do what we want up there. So it's it's gonna be a fun one. Yeah. Well, that's. I mean, I. I mean, technically, that's older than like some of the more famous Biggs backyard. Yeah. Isn't it? He's been doing or Mark started this. Yeah, a long Mark time started ago. this six. This one six years ago. Okay. How long um, is Biggs backyard? Maybe before? not. I, maybe I thought. I thought the four mile an hour was more like eleven, but. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I want to say it's six or seven years. Okay. I know Mark got the concept from Big's Backyard. Did he? Okay. Yeah. Then I had it backwards. Um, Have you had any um, any special interest people from outside of the area because it's like Big's Backyard? Yeah, so far we have some Midwest people coming out for it. Um, I want to say someone in Texas. Wow. So I'll say in general... I've been stoked that the reach now that Shasta Trails has had is we're getting much more out of area people signing up for races. Yeah, so the farthest reach I've had lately has been someone in Costa Rica um, saw Castle Crags and is looking to bring herself and then I guess some of the top trail runners in Costa Rica that want to come out and run it too. That's dope. Wow. So... Yeah, I've been stuck between that Mount the race in Mount Shasta in June, um, and some others. We're Which, getting we're Mount getting some Shasta good reach. Is so to it. iconic. Yeah, like that's gonna take off. Yeah, and well, that's one too. It's in the name. <laughs> Just saying, it's true. It's like the namesake. You'll have to do a hundred mile out there. Yeah, yeah. So with the plan, yeah, this year we got fifty mile, fifty k, thirty k, ten k, um. With the new trail system that they're expanding right now, the Mount Chester Trail Association is doing, working with the Forest Service, there will be 100 miles of single track um, carved out. So there's definitely going to be a 100 miler That's amazing. coming soon. For and that. you've been talking about your own like private endeavor that you want to get going on. 
Yeah, so I've been looking on, aside from just the races that we do, have always been kind of intrigued on a lot longer stuff, just personally and to bring for through Shasta Trails. Um, so I created a course from Humboldt to Mount Shasta that's 330 miles um, that, yeah, I'll be taking on myself. Yeah, he didn't June. even skip a beat. He just like said it like <laughs> yeah. it was normal. Like I'm gonna go run a 5K this weekend. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta practice what you preach. That's right. So, uh, so yeah. So that's looking. I've already semi spoken with like the Forest Service and Sierra Pacific because again, it touches some private land and then Forest Service. Um, but I have a pretty good thumbs up from them um, that we w- won't run into any snags. So. 2020s looking to make this thing formal and and live um the one unique thing for it my whole thing has been to okay how can aside from just trail runners bring more of the endurance community together um so a dynamic that i'll probably bring to this race is also mountain biking so it'll have a trail running division and a mountain biking division um that would be given a lot of the tra- yeah given a lot of trails that we run you know the mountain bikers all the ones that either create the trail or kind of do the yeah. upkeep. Um, so I thought it'd be pretty cool to get us all together um, and take it on. Yeah. Well, I mean, we were just talking about before we started recording about this move past 200s into 300s. Yeah. I mean, this is not a stage race. This is, you know, as, do it as fast as you can. Yeah. I mean, it, it would be supported. Yeah, right? it would be supported. Um, the cool. Well, how do you get an aid station? How do you, How do you staff that or like? Because the range of people, you know, you got um, a Jim Wamsley, and yep. then you've got, you know, Grandpa Joe at 65 and still runs ultras. You could have somebody at an aid station for two days. Yeah, so it'll definitely well, be could- doing some volunteer waves of people who are open to camp <laughs> for yeah. a night. Um, but so far, how the course stands, where I would have the aid stations, um would be either at campgrounds or at lookout towers. Okay. So I then, with certainty, know I can drive a vehicle to it. Okay. Um, and it's de- decently accessible then to have the crew come up to yeah. it. How far apart would the aid stations be? So right now, for kind of the best and easily accessible aid station, it'd be every 27 miles. Okay. But I'll pepper in. So that's where it'll be most likely... Not necessarily a self-supported event, but it'll have that kind of a little bit of that dynamic yeah. to it where, hey, you need so to be you'll carrying be enough. Carrying more. You'll be carrying more than your average race. Um, but I'll then probably have some peppered in unmanned aid stations yeah. between the main so ones. So your hot food's going to be like every 27 miles. <laughs> so your hot food's going to be every 27 miles. And you got water and goose. And- yeah, your goose on the side of the trail is going to be <laughs> <laughs> in between, in the bear box. Well, I guess what... Excuse me. With a distance that far, you can sort of rotate your aid stations. They don't all need to be manned from day one. Correct. I mean, you're Correct. Gonna, when, I won't have someone sitting there for ten days. At right. The, at the, yeah. Near the end of the course, <laughs> that's still going to take a lead an elite athlete a week to get to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, maybe, well, I, don't know, maybe we don't know. I shouldn't say well, that. We shouldn't say that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. People like Courtney or whoever Courtney Dualwalter might be able to knock that out in four days. Who knows? Yeah. I do wonder if you're the first one there yep. to the to the three hundred plus distance. I wonder who would show up for that, you know. Um, I mean, if, if that's 
I don't know. You should probably try to reach out to some of the people that are already kind of pushing on those distances now. Yeah. yeah. Invite them. Yeah. That'd be fun to get some big names out. Yeah. Get Courtney out there. Um, uh, the bow hunter. Um, oh, Cameron Haynes. Cameron Haynes. Yes. He, I, yeah. I could see him doing something like that. Yeah. Just not during hunting season. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, that, that's exciting. Yeah. And I know some other areas that we haven't really done anything to on uh, kind of north of Mount Shasta, Deer Mountain. Um, there's like 300 miles between there and Modoc. Um, there's a ton of like in the wintertime snowmobile trails. Um, so again, it's a lot of it's forest roads. So you're not hit, getting the single track, but at the same time, you're in awesome forest where you're pretty remote. Well, at, at one point, you would almost prefer some more well-groomed forest well, roads versus like totally 300 miles of twister ankle. <laughs> yeah. Especially, technical. I mean, I feel like our forest roads up here, like it's it's all dirt that it pretty much just feels like a wide trail. Yeah. You know, you're not, you're still just as remote um, as some of the trails go. So yeah, there's still a lot of area between Shasta to Modoc and then even Modoc down to Lassen. Um are you trying to stay in Shasta County or? No, I'm looking to, without stepping on toes of others mm. um, that have, some, like drug that have some stuff going on. Um, I am looking at pretty much from Tahoe to the coast up to the Oregon border. Nice. It's kind of where I've played with some routes that I'm now spending this year um, doing some course scouting stuff. Yeah, so I got, yeah, some cool routes that I think I got baked at least on Caltopo pretty good from Shasta to Modoc and then Modoc down to Tahoe. Um, How far is that? That would be so. I necessarily one in the six hundred seventy-five miles from that wouldn't be necessarily a race in itself, but within it, there's definitely some solid segments mm. that could be some fun to play with. You're gonna ruin trail running, like all of a sudden, <laughs> like. It's going to become a thing like, oh, 500 miles. I know. Well, I did speaking with uh, Elevation Culture, um, who does our finisher, really cool wood finisher medals. Um, I mean, yeah, they know there's there's some other big mile races that are being cooked up right now. Wow. Yeah. And then even I think to the breadth of what we do, looking to add some more dynamics. So while trail running will always be kind of the the backbone of it, um, what are some other ways that we can just bring the endurance communities together um, through some of these adventure races or yeah. bikepacking races? Um, you know, I think we got a lot to play with. Yeah. I feel like with a, like a distance of 330 miles, you might, you might start getting an even playing field with some through hikers. Yeah. Because you get, yeah. you get, ultra runners that might try to hit a hundred miles in the first day and then get toasted where you've got the through hiker that can do 50 miles a day. Totally. And then just beat the trail runners. When the new trail that they're building from San Francisco to Humboldt, um, that's kind of in the works right now is going to be, so they're taking an old railroad that used to be there and flipping it to a trail. Hmm. Um, that even that now that it connects, a direct line, you know, from yeah. the bay to up here. Um, I feel awesome. like we got a lot of long distance stuff that's wow. going to be coming our way. Which is so funny given, you know, um, 
society is becoming more and more, you know, electronic and digital and, mm -hmm. and computers and all this stuff that we're now thinking like, okay, we've got the world at our fingertips and Google and everything. Let's go ahead and make some trails that we can walk on and like right. really slow from like San Francisco <laughs> to Humboldt. Yeah. It's just, it, it's funny. It's almost like it's at, at, at our peak of society. We just want to be simple. I'll and, say, and, yeah, yeah, it's, it definitely seems to be true. Yeah. True that we're, Ironically, going back, simplicity is now like the new thing. Yeah, it's a pastime. Well, <laughs> yeah. It's good to see because it seems like a lot of things, in, at least in environmental terms, are getting shut down. Like parks yeah. are getting closed or the amount of trails are getting shut down because they don't have the manpower to maintain yep. them. So yep. now that there's these organizations that are coming in and opening these trails, cutting them in and then maintaining them so it's not directly coming out of our tax dollars yeah. so they can exist. Yeah. Or that just that there's partnerships with the forest agencies. I mm -hmm. think that's awesome that the mm -hmm. trails are growing and not shrinking anymore. Cause yeah. I used to be more in tune with that maybe a decade ago. I mean, even here locally, some of the, there was like a, this res, big California wide resolution. I, all the state parks were closed for a budget. They couldn't agree on something. And so they were shutting down all kinds of trails yeah. just because they didn't want to maintain them anymore. Yeah. And so, I mean, I even know in working with the forest service, that's been some of the hardest stuff for them is just, especially with the government shutdown and all that is the manpower to, keep the trails at par from an environmental standpoint that having to even some tr trails both they made or man-made are is having to decommission a decent amount just because they don't have the resources there to keep them up to par keep them safe but again more formal stuff like this that we can do that feeds them resources both from people and from money um yeah it's a good thing I think a lot of people also don't realize how much work it takes to maintain trails. Yeah. Because you're out there and you think, yeah. oh, it's just dirt. It's just, you know, whatever. But seeing some destruction and like, you know, every year, you know, all these trees get knocked down and yep. um, trails getting washed out. Mm -hmm. Like it takes some serious work to get stuff. Yeah. Or keep it maintained. Yeah. And then if there's any sort of sign of, you know, integrity that's not there, then having to pull the plug to not have it worsen or you know, some salamander or <laughs> plant, you know, protective plant is there that is going to cause issues. Um, yeah, it's a lot more in depth than you would think it would be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you got one more kind of adventure style yes. thing up around Mount Shasta. Tell us about that. Yep. So I, uh, I mean, yeah, Mount Shasta is awesome. There's, it's such a, when we moved up here, I was then got a job at Dignity Health and was doing recruiting for them. So I was bouncing each week between Reading and Mount Shasta. And just being up there, it's so cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, the mountain itself and then just the being in the forest and the trails that are up there. So, Have you been up there yet? Yeah. To we, the summit? To the top? Yeah. Or not to the top, no. You need to get up there. Yeah. So I want to run. I know Ryan Gelfie, I'm not trying to beat him because the dude's freaking fast. <laughs> Um, but I saw he does have the record for the fastest time running up and down. It's like an hour and a half or something hour ridiculous. And up and down. Minutes. Yeah, or to, maybe just to the top. Just the top. I yeah. think it's just the ascent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and my fastest time is uh, five thirty-five. Okay. I think. Um, so I want to not to put up any sort of rate. It, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I want to just experience running to the top. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I've always been intrigued with it. And I know there's, unfortunately today, not really trail. I mean, the, the trail scene's kind of limited that they're doing the expansion on, which is awesome. But um, to circumnavigate the thing, I thought would be awesome. 
and to informally put up a fastest known time <laughs> on it. Um, and hoping just exposure that that would bring would bring more funding and the ability to actually now carve trails into it, showing the interest yeah. is there. Um, You're going to have to bring a machete out for that, right? Because there are a few spots. Yeah. 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 I'll be doing some. Yeah, I, uh, I went and started trying to do a circumnavigation like six months ago. And I'm like, uh, no. But I mean, I, I know what you're doing. You're having to use more roads. And- yeah. I mean, so the, the way I have it created right now is it's 70 miles so starting at kind of the gateway trailhead off of everett memorial um it's taking majority power line to start and then dumping on some forest roads so right now it's mainly because the whole well probably 75 percent of it is there's no trail back there um it's taking forest roads and then it'll dump you into the gateway um, but yeah, I have this course that I'm hoping because from what I could tell, the forest roads seem pretty maintained and are still active. Um, so it should be runnable. There's just about a two mile section, um, that there was nothing formally connecting it. Um, so I'll be scoping that out to see how accessible it is. At least from what I can tell, it, it looks doable. Um, but yeah, wanting until it's like a, a, a web of <laughs> pushes. I know. Um, so yeah, so looking this year to uh, to run the seventy mile course that I did, and then for the time being, um, make it a semi kind of fat ass run um, or informal fastest known time, and then hoping through that and with the partnership of the Mount Shasta Trail Association, we can continually make efforts to carve more trails mm-hmm. on the north. That would be yeah. On the north say, and west the north side. side is a beautiful side. That, yeah, east side. Few, east side, right? Yeah, yeah, north and east side. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Um, yeah, so that, that's, that's be fun. So, How much experience do you have running at altitude? So it's mainly just been, yeah, again, I think it's one of my go big or go home things because even the Kodiak 100 that I did, um, I mean, I live in San Diego. Where was that? Is that in Alaska? In Big, in big Bear. Um, so kind of San Bernardino. So, okay. SoCal. Yeah. But again, it was... You're at like seven, the race was between 7,000 and 10,000 feet. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't do a ton. Um, that seems, yeah. Well, we live at basically sea level, so it's kind of hard. Yeah. Like, oh, it'll be fine. You get through like, <laughs> help. I mean, I've done a handful of going up and running, like, you know, 20 miles, I think, has been my longest I've done up at Mount Shasta. Um, so far, but my body seems to do pretty decent. Yeah. Um, and I know a lot of it too. I mean, obviously it's going to catch up to you, but if you get up, if you're not, your blood cells within 24 hours, it's kind of after the 24 hour mark is when you start losing the red blood cells and your body has to reproduce it from Mm -hmm. the less oxygen. So if you kind of hit it at the go in the first stint, you shouldn't notice too much interference from the elevation yeah interesting um the only time i've ran at elevation was around five thousand feet yeah and i did notice i was like why am i having a hard time today running and then i realized i, I looked at my phone I'm like oh yeah. i'm at five thousand yeah yeah so, yeah. so uh, as long as you're aware and don't necessarily try to like run the, your same pace you would do you know yeah. down here 
just run based on effort. Yeah. So that's where, yeah, I'm, I'm more all about, yeah, runoff effort. And then, you know, your body can kind of work itself out. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's a, it's a cool, Mount Chass is a cool spot. Um, so there's definitely between that and the Oregon border, a lot, a lot to play with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I hope that when you do this, the circumnavigation, that it can sort of bring awareness to the idea of there being a trail system that goes around, because that's some beautiful country. Yeah. I mean, if somebody could invest the time, I mean, I'd go up and volunteer and hoe out some or hack in some trails. Yeah. And what I've been surprised, I mean, obviously people I'm sure have done a circumnavigation run to some extent of it. I mean, I think a lot of people, or they start above tree line and Mm. are kind of more in that area, but you know, I want to make it more of a, a run than, you know, a hike. Sure. Um, so having to start it a little bit lower. More like the, the Wonderland Trail. At, yeah, yeah. Was that Hood or Baker? That's uh, Rainier. Rainier. Rainier? Yeah. Okay. One of those. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I couldn't really, as far as online is concerned, no one's really done it in that capacity or there's just not that much like buzz around it, whether people just haven't thought of it or they haven't documented it. So... But yeah, I'm I'm hoping this this shows not only the runners but like the community of Mount Shasta and the Forest Service that like, hey, there's an appetite for people to be running your mountain. So let's obviously money's a thing, but you know let's let's do what we can to start carving out some plans for that. I'm actually kind of dumbfounded that there's not more there already. I yeah, mean, it's it's like prime real estate. I think it's mainly like Siskiyou County is more agriculture. It used to be like timber and you know livestock, and yeah. they're not really thinking tourism through recreation you know i think it's one of those where it's like for people that are up there you don't want to necessarily show the world the gem that you have so it's like the fine line of you love you love it because it's not traffic you know traffic to ton or it's kind of your own playground that you get to have Mm. um so it's one of those, okay, wanting to give exposure to it so it can get more traffic behind it, but not wanting to turn it to now some overpopulated place to go to. Um, and I think, too, you know, now that Pacific Crest Trail Association has classified Mount Shasta as the very first trail town. Um, what does that mean? So they class. so last year, they it was inaugural year for Mount Shasta that they've never classified any town like trail town. So the Pacific Crest Trail Association... Dignified Mount Shasta is now a name of Trail Town. Hmm. Um, so they had like this whole festival for it. Um, hmm. But I think, again, it's now just bringing to light an area of California in the States that has awesome trail that no one really thinks about when you think of, hey, where should I go race or where should I go, you know, for a vacation or go run? Um, so I feel like we're at the beginning of a wave where there's going to show that there is the appetite, you know, from from the crowd to come and run up here. I definitely feel like there's a bias or a general misconception that California ends at like Tahoe and San Francisco or the Marin Headlands area, <laughs> that they don't really go beyond that. I mean, well, a lot there's of people have really... never been to Lassen. They don't even realize that there's yeah. active volcanic activity there. You can go see mud pots and they're like, I had no idea this was here. I just thought there was like Yosemite. I mean, I naively been in San Diego when my, <laughs> my wife's like, Hey, we should go up to Reading so I can do school. I didn't really even know Reading existed. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, probably was like the majority. You think Bay Area, Tahoe, and then you're in Oregon. You don't really think of this place as a spot no, that has awesome... Southern California, that's 
totally the way they think. Yeah. I mean, because flying up here isn't the easiest. So it's like you get to Sacramento, you're not necessarily thinking, okay, now drive north. You're either doing Sacramento to be in Sacramento or Tahoe, or you're going straight to Portland. Yeah. There's a classic internet picture that shows like the Southern California's view of California. <laughs> and it's like California at the very bottom. Yeah. Then Northern California in San Francisco yep. and then a couple other fun little spots and then it's like Silicon Valley and then like this area would be we're in Oregon right <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I mean it's, it's one of those there's so much up here and so much potential that hasn't really been tapped into well that's why I'm excited for what you're doing I think yeah I think you've just you just got the engine started and I think it's gonna go crazy yeah, yeah. so 10 years down the line yep what do you envision uh, Shasta Trail runs like in a snapshot. Yeah, I mean, I see it, you know, having the sold out events where we have, you know, probably 12 solid races between here and the Oregon border that are strictly trail running. Um, but then also expanding beyond that, where it has, you know, training camps that we're doing, youth camps that we're doing. Um, even more adventure type races that are pulling in all the endurance, you know, activities, um, where trail running will always be kind of the core foundation of it. Yeah. But well, Shasta trail runs used to have a Barkley type thing. Yeah. Yeah. I also think knowing we have, I can't get permits for wilderness, but with us being so close to the Trinity Alps, the Marble Mountains, um, there'll be a lot more informal races and events that take place on all those trails um that is just you know free for anyone to do and it's more just yeah again i think just fat ass events where now it makes us as a place for people to come and vacation or come and travel to yeah um you know so we'll have our core races going on but it'll be much more community youth just like you know festival long weekend um type stuff nice yeah yeah, so I know the youth piece right now is something that um, putting a lot of thought into on how can we do more programs and events and partnerships with that piece. Yeah, I think that's kind of something that's cool. I've looked, I've got kids that are high school runners, and I've looked into sending them to running camps in the summer. Yeah, and there's not a whole lot near here; they're no. kind of far away, so it's a little bit of an investment just to get them there and then travel. Yeah. It's probably more like geared towards track or cross country or something well it is i mean that's what my kids run but yeah it's they're just on the coast or yeah. there's one other big one at stanford or tahoe they're not yep. super close yeah so and <clears throat> you mentioned selling out one of my uh, on the hunt for my first hundred mile race i'm finding that often the the rosters are captive mm. i think unfairly low numbers yeah and it's like there's lotteries a lot of races I mean, are, do you have any kind of restrictions like that? I'm assuming there's land or permit restrictions, and that's yeah, why they do I it. Yeah, I mean, but. comfort level, at least up here, seems to be around the 350 hmm. range. Like, I know you get to Bay Area or other Like spots. all distances or, yeah. or total? To- total participants. Okay. Um, yeah, 350 miles is the comfortable no, I meant range. Like, yeah, I, I mean, like so no, like race the, distance. the Bay Area, you know, there's some races with like, you know, 600 plus racers. Um, from mm. my conversations with Forest Service and others, I'm, it seems like 350 is kind of the, 
the number for hmm. a max. Okay. Well, I wonder if somebody early on just kind of set that precedence and everybody's like, I don't know. Let's see what these guys do. I know. I mean, a lot of it on their end seems to stem from the impact from that many runners in a certain amount of time and the damage it could cause on the trail. Mm. It's kind of where they get their findings from an environmental standpoint. I would think if the trail were, like in the summertime conditions, it shouldn't matter. Yeah. I mean, I can see when it's wet, there being some impact, but. Yeah. I mean, I see it as. I mean, how do major national parks, how does Yosemite deal with a thousand people a day on Vernal Falls hike, for example, or whatever? Yeah. I think too, for them, it's the uh, disruption. I mean, although it's just a day or a weekend, but to not close it off from the public. Mm, okay. Um, as a lot of their thing too on, you know, I'm not necessarily renting out the trail for the day, but it's, I have to be open to if th- there's other people that show up to hike, you know, they're allowed to go through. Um, but I think it's one of those through the partnership is as we show that, you know, we're not doing that much disruption to the trails or, you know, say we do 350 and, it's much easier than they think it might be. I can see the numbers taken up from there. Yeah, just build a positive relationship and just yeah. keep buttering their biscuits. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. This is well, true. you, I mean, at the first, or the waterfalls you got to actually host, I mean, you, you peaked it, or you capped it out, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, so that's for that, awesome. I was able to get them to give me 225, and we had 250 <laughs> show up. So, uh... So, yeah, I mean, I think it, we're consistently proving There's demand. Hey, the demand's there, so let's continually raise our number. cool if, if uh, like, at least you maybe had one or two, not maybe all, all 12. Yeah. Your races could be bigger events, like like a UTMB level, you know, 1,000-man super mega race. I don't ever happen unless something <laughs> major changes in well, the US. The, why? Yeah, well, the hardest part, too, is just from uh, pending on the start site in order to give enough buffer mileage for the crowd to open up. Yeah. I know that's been a well, thing we could too. just shut down downtown Reading. Yeah, and, right. You know, Market Street could be the starting line. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah, so. Yeah, well, that's it's good talking to you about this because it's like yeah. I didn't even think about any of that kind of stuff. I'm just yeah. like, let's go run with a lot of people. Let's go. I know, run. yeah. It's, it's fine. There's a lot more things at play that come into being able to pull it off. Yeah that people don't necessarily think about, or I didn't even necessarily think about until I was in the hot seat. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but it's fun. Well, I'm glad you're in the behind, or you are, you've taken the reins. Yes. I mean, and uh, you've got a vision, and you've got a, a lot of things on the calendar you're cooking up. I'm excited to see yeah. what you come yeah. up with. It's been fun. Yeah, thanks for taking time to come and uh, talk yeah. to us. Thank you, fellas. We've uh, had to cancel a few times. Last time <laughs> we canceled because of the epic snowstorm. That's right. Which left me without power for two and a half days. But, you know. <laughs> Rugged. So. Awesome. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, feel free to check us out on social media, at uh, Random Runner Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And our close to snail mail email address, randomrunnerpodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up and share with your friends and see you guys next week. Got some cool stuff coming up. Bye.